Now dig this, Matt. Y'all know I love stationery. Y'all know I love to take notes. I love to write. I love to write on paper. I love to write notebooks. Matt, what'd you get me for Christmas this year? I got you notebooks and pens and organizers. Correct. I love it. Uh, And I find that it genuinely helps me remember things better as opposed to typing them or like putting them on a, like a text file or whatever, actually writing something down physically helps me a lot. It helps me organize my thoughts. It helps me get my work done. And ever since I got my new uh, iPad and I got the Apple pencil with it, I have been doing that on there and that's great. The only problem I've had with it, it doesn't quite feel like writing on paper, which is a feeling I like. We have the solution to that problem. That's right. Paper-like. As I mentioned at the top of the show, it's a screen protector for your iPad. It uses a proprietary technology called NanoDots. With those NanoDots, you feel the natural resistance of paper on your iPad screen. It is a paper-like feeling on your iPad. So if you're drawing, if you're taking notes, if you're using your iPad like you would a notebook... Here's the way for it to really feel natural. And Chris, I know you love that. You you have an iPad, you got a paper like, and I'm sure it's it feels just right for you. It does. It feels great to use. Also, Matt, you know I'm very particular about paper. I have yes. specific brands of notebooks that I will and will not use, and paper like feels good on the iPad. Uh they also make accessories for the pencil to make the pencil a little more comfortable to hold. They make uh, accessories to help you clean the iPad as well. They've got it all. The ability to handwrite notes in a digital form is great to begin with, but getting that extra tactile feeling that makes me happy while I do it, (laughs) that gives me that little dopamine, that little serotonin burst that I like to have, is fantastic. The latest version of the Paperlike is manufactured in Switzerland using high-quality plastic foils designed for maximum picture clarity. You're not going to lose any of the definition of your iPad screen if you put a paper-like on there. And these foils are developed exclusively for paper-like products. It also always comes in a set of two, so you have a spare. Look, we know a lot of artists listen to this show. If you're an artist and you're looking for a way to make drawing on your iPad feel a little bit better... This is how you do it. So, to pick up your Paperlike, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, click Buy Paperlike, and select your iPad size. From now, right now, until the end of January, Paperlike is also including their Digital Pro Planner Bundle at no extra cost for every order placed through the Paperlike store. Plus, shipping is completely free. So if you're ready to do more with your iPad, head over to paperlike.com slash Ajax, to get started. Clytus, I'm bored. What plaything can you offer me today? That's more Rocket Ajax to bring back his body. Hello, everybody, and welcome to War Rocket Ajax. This is the Internet's Most Explosive Comic Book and Pop Culture Podcast, and we are your hosts. My name is the Hero of Time, Chris Sims. With me, as always, the Hero of the Link to the Past, Matt Wilson. 
<laughs> yes, I I am the link to the past. Do Do you want to know about the Pentagon Papers? I'll tell you. <laughs> that's that's a very specific part of the past. Uh huh. Yeah. To that's, be a link to Matt. I I am that. I that I'm I'm a link to some things in the past. Here's what's weird. I did that backwards because I should not be the hero of time. I am the notorious Ocarina of Time not liker. You you just full on don't like that game. Yeah, I don't like that game. Did you play it at the time of its release, or did you come to it later, and that's why you don't like it? I don't need you trying to psychoanalyze. I might. There's. There's no psychoanalysis. I'm just asking if you played it at I the time. I just not like it. <laughs> I'm just asking if you played it at the time. I feel like I, if... I played it a little bit at the time, but I did mostly play it after the fact. Yeah, that tracks. Because I had not played really any Zelda at length. At length. At l- yes, at length. My... Yeah. Ocarina of Time was like my my entry into Zelda. So I like that game. I, I enjoy that game. I, if I went back and played it now in its standard form, I, there's probably a lot I wouldn't like about it. Like most Nintendo 64 games that are slow and blocky. You know what? Like that game, that game is like, that game's a lot like Elden Ring. Cause it's like Zelda, but it's not fun. <laughs> not like enjoyable to play it not true about Elden Ring not true about Ocarina of Time hey folks we have a great show for you this week there will be more Zelda talk to come I'm sure but there will also be some discussion of what is raw because it's that time again everybody we are doing a full interview segment where we are taking your Thursday Night Raw submissions. So, buckle up. That's right, everybody. The Blood Moon Rises. <laughs> and yeah, because it's raw. It's bloody. It's raw. Before the, we get to that... The Blood Moon Rises and Breath of the Wild, that's just pretty fucking raw. That's true, yes. You mean in Tears of the Kingdom? No, I mean, I mean, in, in Breath of the Wild, like when you when you didn't know that was going to happen. Oh yeah, that's true. I forgot it happened in Breath of the Wild. It's been a while since I played. Yeah, but before we get to that, we do have some business to take care of. Chris, our first bit of business is thanking our newest supporters over on Patreon. That's right, Matt. Now these are all the people who have adventured their way uh, all the way down to uh, six thirty seven Gimmick Street. You know what's there. Please tell me. It's the Deku Tree. <laughs> the Great Deku Tree? <laughs> from Ocarina of Time? Yeah. And from and from other games. But yes, that one. Yeah. Yeah. That's the one. Now, what you gotta watch out for is the 636 Gimmick Street, which is across the street. That's the Lost Woods. Mm. So you really have a hard time getting... Like, it's, a, it's the city planner's... Really needed to to take a look at that. You got to get a a message from one. I guess one of the uh, 
Kokiri? Sure. About how to get through there. Hey, listen. <laughs> exactly. While you're on your way to the, through the Lost Woods, trying to get to the Great Deku Tree down at 637 Gimmick Street, w- when you get out your phone to go to GameFAQs.com, here's the thing you can also do, is go to Patreon.com slash WarRocketAjax, where you can kick in as little as a dollar a month to uh, help me and Matt pay those gimmicks they keep sending in the mail called bills. Chris, the last new patron we have gotten on Patreon was May 1st. The first of the month? On Wake Up, Wake Up, Wake Up, the first of the month exactly. We don't have any new names to read out again for the second week in a row. Hmm. Well, I guess we're not going to do the show anymore. Time to pack it in, I think. Yeah. Look, it's folks. It's over. You can, you can go help us out on Patreon. Please do. Uh, you can head over to patreon.com slash warrocketajax, as Chris said, and kick in as little as a dollar a month to keep this show going weekly, to keep us doing every story ever, every month, to keep us doing Snack Situation and Movie Fighters. We did a brand new Snack Situation that went up last week about Bojangles' Hard Sweet Tea. Please go listen to it. I had to do a mail for that that may have not been lawful. You had to send something through the post. I think maybe maybe check the phrasing on that one. I did a mail. Okay. Uh, you're also supporting uh, Comics Catch-Up. That's the one I didn't mention. And as a patron, if you are a patron, you get every single one of those shows completely ad-free. You can also get cool stuff including line-stepping privileges for our after-interview segments, such as Thursday Night Raw. They're not really after-interview segments anymore. They're kind of just, we do full episodes about them, episodes. Kind of stuff we do. Yeah. Uh, But Thursday Night Raw and Every Story Ever are the current ones of those. Uh, You can also get bonus content. That's bonus audio that we record sometimes. I'm sure we'll do some Zelda bonus audio in the near future. but also bonus writing that both of us do. All of that stuff is exclusive to the Patreon. And uh, you can also get physical rewards. I have asked people for their t-shirt sizes as of today. And uh, if you haven't sent me yours and you're at that level on the Patreon, please send me your t-shirt size so I can order this year's t-shirts. Today is going to be the day that Matt Wilson needs your t-shirt size. (laughs) That is the perfect song for this situation. If you're unable to help us monetarily, and, you know, there's lots of reasons why that might be the case, you can help us out in other ways. You can leave us a five-star review on the podcasting app that you use, or you can just tell your friends about the show, let folks know that you listen to War Rocket Ajax. It is a show that you like and that they should listen to it as well. Chris, with that, it's time for some checks and wrecks. What do you say? Let's do it. Chris, what do you have to check in with this week? Matt, would it surprise you to learn that I have done something other than play The Legend of Zelda? Well, you're still alive, so I assume you have eaten food and drank liquid and slept. Well, I mean, you you think that, but um, the blood moon rose. Matt. Who knows? <laughs> 
Who knows? Uh, no, I have done I have done other things as well. Uh, I played some baseball the other day. Okay. Uh, here's here's the thing that I found out last last year when we were walking uh, biscuit uh, through the the park near my my house. Uh, there would always be people like on Fridays. We were just hanging out playing baseball. Like a lot of people. Like a a good number of folks. So baseball, like fast pitch, overhand baseball. uh, Yeah, but like, yes, yes, baseball. So not, okay. Because usually when when you get to be our age (laughs) and you join a league, of a sport of that type, what you're playing is softball. Well, there's also softball okay. that happens. But here's the thing: uh, what we found out, uh, what what is because I would always be like, man, how do I get in on this uh, on this uh, cool baseball? Because because it's a lot of cool people. Like you know, you've seen cool people before, like wearing jeans. They have good haircuts. Yeah. Yeah. Like. Patches on on their their jackets that say things like "I don't like cops." Mm-hmm. You know, cool people. Yeah, cool people. And I was like, man, how do I get in on these cool people who play baseball? I I like. I'm forty and work in comics. I like baseball. That's a thing that happens. It is yes. Uh, and what we found out is um there's there's two different things that happen in the park, Matt. Uh, there is uh, queer softball, which I uh, unfortunately do not qualify for. Mm, yeah. And there's uh, punk baseball, which I also do not qualify for. But <laughs> they let you play. But yeah, the, the ethos there is if you show up, you can play some baseball with some people. And uh, everybody just kind of like hangs out. It, and it's like you say, you say like fast pitch. Baseball, but like I'm talking, dude is fully smoking on the pitcher's mound. You know, it's that kind of, okay. it's that kind of thing. Are they clocking the speeds of these pitches? Are they definitely not? And okay. in fact, I believe that the like I was a little worried because uh, two people showed up in like baseball pants, like pants you wear to play baseball, like specific baseball pants. I've seen them yeah. when I go to the baseball. Yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, and I was like, "Oh no, do people take this very seriously?" Because uh, I have not played baseball in several decades, honestly, and never in an organized fashion. Uh, but no, it's like very clearly not out there throwing fastballs. You know, throwing pitches that may or may not make it over the plate, but are not at an unhittable speed for me. Okay. Uh, so yeah, I found out, uh, AC told me that this was going on. And so I, uh, went over, uh, last week was the second Friday that they had, uh, that they had done it. And, uh, I got to play some baseball. Uh, I, I texted a person that we knew who was involved in it. And I was like, Hey, um, are y'all doing baseball today? Please note, I'm not good. 
Uh, I don't own a bat or a glove, but I do own several hats. And that is, I don't even think I would have needed the hat, Matt. But it's nice to have. It's nice to have. It's nice to have. Uh, got a couple hits. Nice. I did hit the the first pitch in my first at bat, which was nice. Uh, that was a good feeling for you, boy. That uh, is nice. I, Chris, I don't know about you, but I like I played little league when I was. I did not. I am. I was a um an indoor child. <laughs> I mostly was too, but I did play a little. I got in way into baseball when I was like twelve, mm-hmm. and you like the cards. I did like the cards. I I played for the Cardinals my first year of little league. No, I mean, do um, you like baseball cards? Oh, I like those too. But I thought you meant the Cardinals, but also that Matt. I would. I do not know enough about baseball to use a nickname for a team. <laughs> uh, I was terrible at it when I played little league. The like two or three years I played little league, I was truly awful. I would not swing at pitches. I would just hope to be walked. I would be so much better at baseball now. I would be so much better at it now. So I wonder if that you're more bold because I'm bolder and I'm more confident in my athletic ability. I wish I had some way to play baseball now with people of my age and skill level. Uh, and I assume that is like maybe part of your motivation here. Like, cause oh, absolutely. You know, yeah. 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 There were several people there who, and, and I am not, uh, uh, dissing anyone. Cause I also had to be, uh, informed about the proper way to uh, hold the bat so that it would not break. That was not a concern, but thank you to the gentleman who told me to turn the Louisville Slugger logo towards my thumb. Uh, it was n- I was not going to break the bat. <laughs> I was not going to hit in that inning, my man. Uh, but uh, th- there were several people who needed to be instructed on the proper way to hold the bat. Uh, there were people who, much like myself, had not played in quite some time. No one really took it seriously. There were a couple people where I was like, hey, that guy's pretty good at baseball. Uh, people of, of all genders uh, having, just having a nice time on a Friday evening out at the park playing baseball. You know? It was nice. And uh, so I am uh, I'm hoping to go back uh, tomorrow as we're recording this. Uh, as long-time listeners know, we do record this on Thursday nights, and it's a it's a Friday night thing. Uh, but yeah, I uh, I, I in fact uh, went to the uh, large book website and purchased a uh, a bat and a glove. So I have that now. So so you do use gloves. It's not like old timey baseball. Which no, it's I, not like the baseball that my grandpappy played. I know someone who was part of an old timey baseball league. In, That's the most Asheville, North Carolina shit I've ever heard in my life. It's in Nashville, Tennessee that they do this. Shocking. Yeah. I didn't know they did things in Nashville that weren't like uh, uh, bachelorette parties. <laughs> <laughs> that's a joke for all the Nashvilleans out there. That's that's a very funny Nashville joke, yes. Uh, but yeah, baseball. Exciting. Go, 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 go throw a baseballer out. Go have a catch with somebody if you can. 
Matt, if you if you if you do wind up coming up for my birthday, uh, then then we'll play some baseball. I that sounds amazing. I would love to do that. Yes, uh, something to look forward to if if I'm able to get up that way. Uh, what have you been up to this week? Well, Chris, I have been very busy with uh, my job. Uh, luckily. I am no longer covering for my boss, like I said last week, but things have been busy. Um, a lot of coverage of Fast X, which you know I'm going to see it this weekend. I'm sure you are as well. I don't know, man. I still haven't seen like John Wick 4. I, there's so many movies I haven't seen. Yeah, yeah. I still haven't seen John Wick 4 either. Uh, but I think I might make an effort to go see Fast X. It, it, it feels consequential it's the start of the final trilogy it's the end of the road beginning (laughs) anyway it's been busy and so i have not had a lot of time to do like leisure stuff outside of playing zelda and and you know yard work and stuff like that but my birthday is coming up and at one point in the past week my wife brought a huge box into the house. Uh-huh. And now that huge box, and there are actually two large boxes, are sitting in my guest room. And I've been informed that this is a gift that she didn't buy alone, that she and several other people have gone in on together. Interesting. I am so curious as to what this thing might be. <laughs> Now, I will say this. Uh, I'm not part of this cabal. I wish I was, though, because I do not know what to get you for your birthday. <laughs> you know what I need? We're going to have this conversation on show, Chris, on mic. Of course we are, Matt. What? Why would we not? That's true. You this know what is I good need? radio. I need, like, little dishwasher safe cups to put iced coffee in is that what you want for your birthday it you know i need that i matt that's not what i asked and you know it's not what i asked (laughs) it would be nice to have i I, there's a thing about getting older and especially i mean it's been true throughout my 30s but part of me just wants that stuff i need for my birthday rather than like I don't know, a toy or whatever. Like I like it's fun to have collectible stuff, but I don't I just kind of put them on the bookcase and they sit there. And I look at them sometimes. But you know, that's it. But like I need a coffee cup with a straw, you know? I need uh clothes. Like I used to, I remember I used to hate getting clothes as a present. Mhm. When you were a kid, you hated it. And now you get it, and you're like, I could use this. Yeah, I mean, like, look, part of the reason that you hated it when you were a kid is that if your experience was like mine, um, your mom had bad taste in clothing. It, it it wasn't even the type of clothing. I mean, that is true. A lot of times it was like clothes you didn't necessarily want or pick out. But it's also like... I got this instead of something I can have fun playing with, you know? 
Like, I wanted Ninja Turtles, not clothes. Yeah. But I bet you would have liked a Ninja Turtles t-shirt. That's true. Yeah. But mom, ain't, mom ain't buying a Ninja Turtles t-shirt. No. Except for now. Now that people our age are having children and kids got all kinds of Ninja Turtles t-shirts. And those kids are like, what's a Ninja Turtle? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My favorite thing is when you see a baby, like a tiny baby, in like a Pet Sounds t-shirt. And you're like, man, that's a cool baby. That baby knows about all the musicians Brian Wilson hired to really bring the sonic depth. That baby really knows a lot about Brian Wilson having a nervous breakdown when he heard Be My Baby. That's true, yes. Uh, I don't know. We'll talk more about what you could potentially get me for my birthday. Ever since we started buying video games on the company card because you know they're review items that we talk about on the show you'll hear that in just a minute that has eliminated a potential gift thing yeah uh, for me uh but nonetheless i i will say this a listener it's in fact it's patrick o'duffy uh got patrick me, o'duffy who felt bad got me kate beaton's new book ducks nice. which i'm very excited to read uh very, very patrick excited. got me a uh, a uh, fancy pen that was, I am sure, uh, he went and looked and saw the most ridiculous item on my uh, Amazon wish list because this is one of those tactical pens, <laughs> which I find hilariously delightful. That's it for checks, Chris. What do you have to recommend? You're recommending Zelda, right? I have a backup rec because I figured you would be recommending Zelda. I mean, let's just talk about Zelda. I have not played enough of it to definitively, I think, give my thoughts on the game. I mean, look, I haven't, I haven't like completed it, but I think, I think we're both ready to talk about it. Yeah, I, I like it. It's, it's good. I am surprised by how similar it is to Breath of the Wild. I. Here's the thing. I said that if this game was not as good as Breath of the Wild, I would uh, jump into the Mississippi River. Uh, It is literally just more Breath of the Wild with slightly different mechanics. And on the one hand, that is exactly what I want. On the other hand, I do not envy the challenge that the developers of this game had in making a sequel to Breath of the Wild, both because it is arguably the best video game. Like, like, right? Like, it is arguably the best video game. It's up there, yeah. It is certainly the best open world game. It's certainly the best Zelda game. It's probably the best game made by the Nintendo uh, Corporation. Like, you really gotta like really gotta stack it up against Super Metroid and Super Mario Brothers three and Super Mario World to to check on that one. But it's one of the best games of all time. And one of the things that made it so good was that feeling of discovery. Like having this Hyrule where there was something new and different and unexpected literally everywhere you looked. 
because there were 128 places that you had to go if you wanted Link's real clothes. And that's like trying to figure out, okay, well now, now what do we do? If like, do we move it to a different location? Do we put it in the same high rule, but make some changes? Like how do we capture that again? And you kind of can't, right? Like they can't, make the first game like this that you've ever played again. And if you spend as much time as I did on Breath of the Wild, like I got to know that Hyrule pretty well. So it's never going to capture that same feeling. I think they did a pretty good job of capturing the feeling of it's a couple years later it's a couple of years after you you beat the bad guy. People are rebuilding things, and things are a little different now. And also, everyone knows who you are, uh, which is the thing that I like. That like everywhere you go, somebody's like, "Is that Link?" Oh shit, that's Link! <laughs> and I'm like, "Yeah, that's Link." You should know who that is, <laughs> which is a thing you don't really get in a lot of games. That's uh, true. A lot of Zelda games. Well, th- there's also like a few of the characters. Have come back, but they're a little older. Like characters who were children in Breath of the Wild are like teenagers now, mm-hmm. and and I uh, like that kind of stuff. I just I'm surprised because I we talked last week about how like direct Zelda sequels get weird, right? right. And a lot of times they will go to a different place, like Majora's Mask is largely taking place in a different place. Like Zelda two is a whole switch to something else. I thought tears of the kingdom was going to be more different than it was at first. Yeah. But not having really followed like any of the like pre-release hype or anything, because like, cause yeah, I'm going to get it. Like, I don't, like, they they could have, like, not announced they were working on it and just dropped it one day, and I would have gotten it. It's fucking Zelda. Yeah. Uh, Like, I kind of thought that it would be more about the the Sky Islands. Yes, that's exactly what I thought. I thought, oh, oh, we're doing a different version of Skyward Sword, right? Mm -hmm. But it's not. It's... You eventually go to the mainland, and it is Hyrule again. And uh, like you're right, it is. It's different. Places are different. You go to places in a different order. Like one of my favorite things about Tears of the Kingdom is the first place you go is the castle. It's like go straight to the castle now. Yeah. Um, I mean, you don't go all the way inside, but you go like you know to, to the periphery of it. You know, you're you're nudged to go to Rito Village really early, which is where I am in the game currently. So like it's it's rearranged, but it be like I was surprised to find that like it's still Hyrule. And like a nice surprise was going to a stable and seeing my old horses. Oh, did did it do that? Yes. That's okay. That's great because I lost my save file when my switch died. 
in 2020 and my save file where I had 100%ed Breath of the Wild, which I'm not going to do that shit again. <laughs> yeah. Like, I, you know, I did all the shrines, I did the master quests, uh, like, I got the dirt bike from the DLC. Like, I did it all. So I was really worried that it was going to be like a thing, like in Pokemon, where if, if you know, you'll run into somebody who's like, oh, have you gone on an adventure with Pikachu before? Like, here's a Pikachu. I was really worried there was going to be more of that in this. I, I, well, some of it is weird. Like, it explains why Link lost all his hearts and stamina or a lot of his arts and stamina at the beginning of the game. It doesn't explain how he forgot how to cook. (laughs) Man, he's had a rough time. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But like the one thing that carried over from my previous save file was, yeah, I went to a stable and I was like, let me see if I can take out a horse and all the horses that I had with their names were there at the stable. That's fantastic. Um, yeah. I didn't get that, but uh, what I got was Matt. Do you remember like last weekend when we um, had that Bojangles hard iced tea and I got a little drunk? Uh-huh. <laughs> okay, so I bought a bunch of amiibos <laughs> after that recording. Okay, uh-huh. sure did. Yeah, I got a little time to buy some amiibos. Uh, I'd already gotten like uh, I, I went ahead and picked up the the Tears of the Kingdom link uh, when I got the game. Because, you know, they had it, and why not? Then I realized, like, oh, shit, you can get stuff from these? And one of the things, like, the first thing that I got when I I popped an amiibo on there was, uh, it was like, oh, hey, uh, it's a horse. And I was like, oh, cool. I was having a hard time catching one, so I guess I'll just go, like, register this horse. And then the dude at the table was like, Dog, that is not a, that's a Pona. That's that's Link's horse. That's the legendary horse. And I was like, oh shit, I'm Link. I've had that horse in another game. And you know I love that shit. <laughs> you know I am fully down with that. Yeah, that's good. Uh I do, one one last thing I'll say about the game, and I'm sure we'll talk about it more as we both get further into it. Mm-hmm. I do like the sort of like fuck it sensibility of you can move any object around and attach anything to anything else. Yes. That being the first ability that you get. Yeah. And the way that you are taught about that is I think really clever because as always, like you, you know, you do the shrines and the shrines kind of like teach you a little bits and piece about, uh, about the game. Um, so Matt, can I ask you a quick question? Sure. Do, do you know about, do you know about putting a rocket on your shield? I have gotten to the shrine where it like shows you how rockets work, but I haven't gotten, I haven't seen like a rocket in kind of the world at large yet. Buddy. This game's like, hey, why don't you put a rocket on that shield and turn into fucking Iron Man? <laughs> and then I was like, oh, right, I can put stuff on shields. And then I realized I can make a fucking skateboard. Yes. And so, 
this became Tony Hawk's Legend of Zelda 2, is what it is. I ran into a an enemy who had a white choo-choo jelly on their shield. Mm-hmm. So every time I tried to hit him, I froze. And I was like, that's brilliant. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. These Zelda games, they're they're good games. They're good games, everybody. Yeah. Uh, very exciting stuff. Yeah, I did uh, what I always do. Like, before I even went to the first story mission, I was like, let's get all these towers and a bunch of shrines. I I am not going to all the towers just yet, because some of them are not. I, I think, oh, that's kind of inaccessible. Because, like, they're behind mountains or whatever. But I'm doing as many shrines as I can as I come across them, for sure. Uh, so, yeah. I, I think you're further along than me, for certain. Cause I, yeah, I've, I've so. done all the towers and, like, 25 of the shrines. Gotcha. I'm, I think I've done maybe 10 or 11 shrines. So, that's where I'm at. My quick secondary wreck, and I don't have to say a lot about it, is uh, John Mulaney's new special on Netflix, Baby J. Which is all about him doing rehab and has very curated information about his life since we all know about his personal life now. <laughs> yeah. Uh I I really enjoyed the special. Um I enjoy the stand up comedy of John Mulaney. Uh I am surprised I mean look, he's had a couple of years. Yes. So I I get that there's a lot to talk about. A little surprised that that the divorce was not mentioned, if only because his wife was such a big part of. There are a lot of bits about his wife. Yeah, he previous, he mentioned it. He mentioned it, but that was all. Yeah. Uh, so, it, I think there may be some kind of terms of the divorce. <laughs> Where maybe he can't talk about it. Uh, But who's to say? Chris, those are our checks and recs. It's time to talk about some comics. What do you think? Let's do it. The winner of this week's Texter's Choice is the new Avengers number one by Jed McKay, who we really need to get on the show and talk to about this book, among others. And uh, CF Via on art. And Chris, I, I texted you about this book to say, this is a Mark Grunewald ass issue of Avengers. It really is. It, it, it has like the eighties Avengers logo, which they have not used in quite some time. It has that. Uh, it has the, the, the most Mark Grunewald thing about it to me, is the fact that the main villain of the issue is Terminus. Uh-huh. That that big old machine. And there is a deep-cut reference to a Mark Grunewald Captain America issue in here. I swear that's what it is. Where Black Panther, who is in that Captain America issue, remembers that Antarctic vibranium Terminus is weak to it. Mwah. Mwah. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, My first question for you, because you texted me before I read it, and uh, you said, hey, this 
issues Grimwall as hell. And I was like, oh, does, does it have uh, Capistrano and Quays in it? <laughs> and it doesn't. But it does have a bit of Captain Marvel going to talk to Captain America and Captain America, and they all just keep calling each other Cap, which is very funny. It's also very funny that Captain Marvel is like, I want Sam, not Steve. And Steve's like, okay. (laughs) (laughs) Well, she's specifically like, hey, I got got Thor, I got Black Panther, I just need a normal guy. (laughs) Yeah. Which, if if you're Sam Wilson, like... You gotta be like, yeah, I get it, but I mean, come on, I can talk to birds and fly. The basic thrust of this issue, by the way, is like Captain Marvel is now the what? What is her title exactly? It's chair. She's the chair. she's the chair. Yeah, of of the Avengers, and so she is assembling her team, uh, which is Iron Man, Black Panther. Vision, Scarlet Witch, Thor, and Sam Wilson, Captain America, uh, and and you know giving the different reasons why she's picking these people, and also trying to recontextualize what the Avengers is. Yeah, the first thing she does is give a definition of of Avengers, like why they're called the Avengers, mm-hmm. which is like. We don't want to have to have anything to avenge. So it's a warning to ourselves. Then the first thing she says to Tony Stark is, the Avengers aren't cops. Yeah. They're Which, firefighters. I liked that a lot, too. Yeah. Uh, and I like I like that Tony's like, yeah, we're like cops. And Captain Marvel's like, we're absolutely not like cops. Uh, that's That's good content. Yeah, her saying that they put out the fires instead of, you know, meet out punishment is is cool. I'll I'll say this too, because Captain Marvel is such a big part of this, and she was also such a big part of the Ultimates, the Al Ewing Ultimates. Uh, this gets a little Al Ewing by the end. <clears throat> like... There's some ultimates in here after Captain Marvel gets sucked into a black hole. Uh, it's good so far. I'm I'm into this. Yeah, no, I unsurprisingly, um, I think of the Jed McKay stuff that we've read, uh, which we've read, you know, a grip of at this point. Yeah. Um, I. I do feel like this is maybe my least favorite, but I also, you know, I am not the biggest Avengers fan, and specifically I'm not, like, the biggest fan of, like, the Vision. Uh, so I think that's to be expected. Like, I would say I even like Doctor Strange more than more than the Avengers in general. Uh, what's interesting to me is that this is such a big tone shift from the Jason Aaron Avengers without feeling like it's, it's, it's not a step down, right? Like it's, it's not uh, bad in any way. It's just, it does feel like a very different run. It's a it reset. like someone starting off and going like, Oh, this is going to be a different run. Yeah. It's a reset because how could you go any bigger? Yeah. than the Aaron run, you know? So it's, it's more character focused. It's more kind of, philosophical at least here at the start 
And I appreciate those things. I, I It doesn't necessarily have the hook yet, but this issue is very much an introduction. And I think the hook is what we get at the end. Like that's going to be the actual like plot moving forward. So yeah, I'm interested to see where that goes. Me too. We were also going to talk about Fantastic Four number 700, the issue in which Doctor Doom steals the Fantastic Four's language. They start forgetting words, and then they start forgetting letters. Yeah, they forget the letter X, and so they stop being able to say words with uh, an X in them. Well, they do say 26 after they've forgotten X. Well, they've still got numbers. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Uh, But yeah. Yeah, Ryan North. Yeah, I noticed. I noticed. Uh, But my favorite thing about this issue, like... All the the forgetting letters and stuff is all just like build up to the arrival of Doctor Doom because the only letters they can remember are D O and M, mm-hmm. um, and that's when Dom Toretto shows up. Oh, uh, if only! But then Doctor Doom shows up and he's like, "Hey, when you like sent your kids away, an entire city block away, to defeat the invading." negative zone that that was a mistake and i'm gonna fix it and i'm gonna save them and it's gonna i'm gonna prove that you i i'm better than you and he tries and tries and tries and tries to do it and cannot figure out a way to do it and not make things worse yeah which is a good bit because i feel like the i feel like every ryan north story uh starts with a starts with him asking a question, right? And that question in this one is how does a guy with a time machine lose? Because Dr. Doom has had a time machine since his first appearance. And why doesn't he just go back and win? And so this issue is is Ryan North answering that question in a very fun way. And the answer is every time he tries to do it, he fucks up so badly that he erases his attempts at changing the timeline rather than have failed. Yeah. He also, it also makes the point that like other versions of himself have set it up so that he already has all the best outcomes. Well, that's what he believes. (laughs) <laughs> right. Like, okay. I have a time machine, so everything has to be working out right because my future selves would have come back and ensured this. And it's it, and then it's like the fact that he keeps fucking up because he's Doctor Doom, and he doesn't realize that he's in that the book isn't called Doctor Doom is very funny. Yeah, like and it's very funny and like also very good. Like, it it is a good explanation of why he doesn't, like, like, this is clearly not the first time he has tried to do this. Like, this is, we can assume that this happened to Doctor Doom every time something happened that he didn't like. And he couldn't make it go his way and decided he would rather face oblivion than failure. 
which is a perfect Doctor Doom reason for something. Yes, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. Aside from Reed and Sue being able to say 26 after they forgot X, my only other complaint about this issue is Reed saying outright that he doesn't believe in ghosts. How could you live in the Marvel Universe and say that? Yeah, dog, come on. (laughs) Come on, man. You know a wizard. You know know multiple wizards. You're fighting a wizard in this issue. You know a wizard who hangs out with a ghost dog. Yeah. Their example is Ghost Rider, which Reed explains away as being a man who looks spectral sometimes. Who looks like a ghost. And that's fine, but there are actual ghosts in the Marvel Universe, my man. Yeah, that's that's a pet peeve of mine as well in comics. I I do like that it, at least Johnny Storm brought up what a fucking ghost writer, dude, and Reed immediately shifted the goalposts. Yes, like like no, no he's not a ghost. He's a demon. <laughs> he's a demon possessing a circus motorcycle guy. Uh, Ivan Coelho, by the way, is back on art this issue, and it's a great-looking story. It's it's really, really good. Um, for Fantastic Four 700, doing a story about how Doctor Doom can lose, like the explanation of how Doctor Doom can lose, is a great concept, and I think it's done uh, very well. Uh, one last book that you wanted to talk about, Chris, I haven't had a chance to read through it just yet, is Superman number four. Yeah, man. Uh, we have been pretty effusively positive about this book. And uh, I just want to say that continues here uh, with the kind of, first of all, uh, Lex Luthor getting mad in prison at prisoners talking about how much they like Batman more than Superman. That's very funny. Uh-huh. Uh, but also, uh, what's the one thing that's been missing uh, from this book? Well, if you ask me, it's what's been missing from every Superman book, and that's Jimmy Olsen having wacky adventures. And the end of this book is the reveal that Jimmy Olsen is hooking up with Silver Banshee, and they are very much in love. And I am here for it, dog. That's exciting. That's very exciting. Give give me give me more Jimmy Olsen blundering his way into being involved in Superman Adventures. I definitely need to catch up on that book. All right, Chris. That's gonna do it for our comic segment. Which means we gotta get raw. It's time, baby. There was no training or taming of me and my bra. Live like a man, but I'm animal raw. Alright, Chris. Our first submission is from Jeff Wickstrom. Alright. And I don't know that we have even I feel like I've read the first issue of Promethea, but I don't know that I can rank any moments from it. The moment Jeff submitted is Sophie dons Promethea and brings you fire in Promethea number one. I have not read a page of Promethea. 
which made it very annoying when I needed to know something about the Sephirothic tree for Apocryphals. I texted Benito, and he just said, read Promethea. I have to know, I feel like I read at least the first issue, but I don't remember it well enough to rank this, and I feel like if I don't remember it, then I have to consider it not raw. Yeah, I am I am very unfamiliar, I'm afraid. By the way, we we should probably share the Thursday Night Raw list. I don't think it is publicly available. <laughs> I don't I don't think I've written anything offensive on this one yet. Nothing <laughs> actionable. We, we should share it with the listeners. So uh, send me the send me the share link, and I and I will because uh, I know that you are the owner of this document. Uh, all right, sorry, Jeff. We have to disqualify that one. How about this one from Robert Headley? From chapter 81 of the manga One Piece, where Nami breaks down and asks Luffy for help, so he gives her his hat and begins walking to Arlong Park, and the rest of the Straw Hats join him, and you rip off your shirt because you know Arlong is going to get his ass beat. Yeah, that's pretty good. <laughs> Actually, it's pretty good, actually. I recently uh, reread the first hundred chapters of One Piece. There's there's a couple things in there that are, like, top fucking tier raw as shit moments. I don't know if that is, like, that's a pretty raw moment. I would say that the the more raw moment, the kind of, like, culmination raw moment in that regard is um when luffy uh says that he's fighting arlong because uh he made their navigator cry and then fucking suplexes him so hard an entire building comes down on him that's pretty good uh and then there's another story that i believe i told you about where someone is mean to a dog and so luffy hits him with the fucking rainmaker that owns (laughs) Okay, but that was those were not the submitted moments. What was submitted was, I, I guess we would call it Luffy walks to Arlong Park. L- Luffy gives Nami his hat. The hat's very important. It's, so it's giving the hat, not walking to the park. It's it is the 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 hat is symbolic, Matt. Okay, because the hat was given to Luffy by. By Shanks. And so when he gives Nami the hat, it's like, that's him being like, you're one of us now, and your fights are our fights. And I'm about to go fight this man who is a 40th degree master of fishman karate. That's actual dialogue. When someone announces that they're a 40th degree master of fishman karate, that's when you... That's when you know comics are good. And American comics stopped being good because people stopped doing that. (laughs) So you've already named two rawer moments. I would say I would say equally or equal or greater than. I mean, I do like it when that guy is mean to that dog and Luffy just loses his fucking mind. That shit's great. So where does this raw moment rank against the ones we have? I think it goes. I would put it probably below Phantom Lady throwing a sword through a guy. Okay. I I would say it it's better than try the red one 
but it is like this feels like someone listening to us say like hey what like here is the definition the moments that you're like oh it's about to pop off uh-huh uh and being like well this is the moment where it's about to pop off yeah. and that is like i get that like that is a it is a prime example of that kind of thing so this this will enter the list at the new number 11 the new number 11 yeah it's a strong okay. one it's a good one and we're going to say Luffy gives Nami his hat. It That's what we're calling the moment? Uh, yes. All right. That's a pretty good showing for that moment from One Piece. This next submission is from, I, th- I well, n- no name given. Uh, I'll say Martin. It's from Martin. Like, from like Martin, yeah, it's from Martin Lawrence who emailed us a submission for Thursday hey, Night Raw. Thanks for listening, Martin <laughs> Lawrence, the star of Blue Streak, star of Bad Boys and Bad Boys Two. Bad Boys Two. Here's the moment we ride together, we die together. <laughs> Bad Boys for life. It's weird that they were cops, right? I mean. How how I mean no it was an action movie from the nineties. Yeah, it's true. Yeah. All right, here's here's the submission from Martin. Man Mountain Marco has been harassing his ex-wife and daughter from prison. Moon Knight gives him an ultimatum. Marco will never see hit them again. This is from Devil's Reign Moon Knight. I didn't read this, but this definitely Moon Knight rips out his eyes, right? <laughs> Is that what happens? That has to be what happens. I mean, let, let me let me verify. I, I I'm going to look. I'm a hundred percent sure. Uh, I missed a lot of the Devil's Reign event. I have to say. All right, here's Devil's Reign Moon this Knight. Is, this is a Jim McKay book. It is. I I guess this was during his Moon Knight run. Right? Because it's from last year. Let's see. Let's let's find Moon Knight giving Man Mountain Marco that ultimatum. Alright, he's fighting. I'm I'm seeing him fight in prison. I mean, I'm looking at this comic. This is pretty tight. Yeah. Yeah. He uh he definitely yeah. uh Couches his eyes out. He does the the thumbs to the eyes move. Yeah. Oh, he he'll never they'll never see them again. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that's pretty fucking raw. Yeah. <laughs> okay. That's pretty fucking tight. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Because uh, what you find out is that he got himself arrested so he could go in prison to fight. And Mountain Marco in the underground prison uh, boxing yeah. match and hit him with the fucking Beaumier and then put his fucking eyes out. Yeah, this is pretty fucking good. He does spend, it's, it, the match does seem to be a rest hold for a while. <laughs> there's, a, there's a long uh, headlock. Well, he's talking to me. And look, this is the dialogue. Let me tell you a secret, Marco. 
No punk-ass cops or third-tier supervillains could have put me in here if I didn't want to be. No prison could hold me if I wanted to leave. I came here for you. I came here to teach you a lesson and deliver a message. The lesson, I can get you anywhere, no matter how safe you think you are. The message, you will never see your ex-wife or daughter again. Or I'll do things that would to you that would make what I did to Bushman look like a mercy. You understand me? And then the guy says, yeah, I'm gonna go. I'm still gonna go get her uh, after I get out of here. And that's when Moon Knight goes, "I gave you a choice. Remember that." And tears his fucking eyes out. Yeah, yeah. It, that's pretty good. It, it happens about as violently as it can in Marvel comics. In like a, I well, this is probably like a T-rated issue, right? Like, there's there's blood around. But, oh, there is no rating on the cover, weirdly enough. Um, you kind of want this one to be full, like, full, like, Steve Dillon Punisher. Yeah, it's not, it's not Max. So, like, his, you see the thumbs on the eyes, but there's no blood coming out of the eyes. Uh, it's just, you know. It implies <laughs> what's going to happen. Yeah, because what what you find out over the course of this is that Marco's daughter inherited his powers, and even though he's never met her, he's gonna like come take her from his ex wife and and turn her into a supervillain. And so Moon Knight's like, "Nah, dog. Nah, I got this." Yeah, yeah. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. I I think this is uh Is it better or worse than Lockheed ripping out Sebastian Shaw's eye? A lot of eye trauma. A lot of eye trauma in the raw the raw I mean, list. I, I kind of I mean I don't know. Lockheed ripping out Sebastian Shaw's eye and spinning into a fire is pretty good. Kitty Pride punching him through the door is part of that scene and that's great. Yeah, I also feel like that's more kind of like emotionally satisfying. I feel like there's a there's a an element of build up that makes that a rip your shirt off moment a little more than this. Yeah. It's pretty good though. I think Daredevil declaring himself Kingpin is also better, but I could put this above Phantom Lady throwing that sword through the guy. Pretty fucking raw, dude. So that that would make this the new oh, number ten. And it's just uh, Moon Knight gouges out Man Mountain Marco's eyes. He ensures that he'll never see his ex wife and daughter again. Uh, let's see. This is uh this is uh Jim McKay and Federico Sabatini. Yeah, I'm not always the biggest fan of taking like a turn of phrase, like a you know, a symbolic or metaphorical turn of phrase, and making it literal. Oh, I but, am, but I like that one. I, I like am, that. One. I love country music. <laughs> uh, all right, here's our next submission. It is from Tim Maytom who uh, suggests this. It's uh, a personal favorite from a series that 
Tim knows uh, both of us enjoy. Uh, it's from Top 10, issue number 10, in which the 10th Precinct takes down Commissioner Ultima and Captain Trainer tells Smacks, break her fucking neck, son. Yeah, that's just pretty good. Top 10 is like... Top 10 is was the best of the ABC books. It's another like weird 90s action story about cops where like the cops are cool. <laughs> yeah, <but laughs> and in look, hindsight that sucks. We can look, but, look. We can believe there's a good billionaire. We can believe there's good cops in comics. Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. Uh if you haven't read Top 10, it's really good. It's a city where everyone is a superhero. And so so the cops are also superheroes, but they're superhero cops. <laughs> and it's pretty good. I mean, yeah, they're cops, but it's, you know. <laughs> they're cops, okay. They're cops who, when their boss turns out to be a huge piece of shit, which is what happens uh, through the first ten issues of this book, they fucking are like, okay, fuck our boss. Yeah, and they they deal with the commissioner, and so the thing where Captain Trainer says "break your fucking neck, son," it's right after um, Lee is killed by the commissioner trying to save other people in the commissary, and so Captain Trainer is saying "break your fucking neck, son" with tears in his eyes. Yeah. And then you just see Smacks walk toward the commissioner who is like shooting out energy beams all from her body, just calmly walking toward her to kill her. And that's badass. <laughs> you no, know, it's 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 dope. It's extremely dope. Yeah. yeah. Like, we can believe there's a good billionaire. <laughs> yes top 10 is great top 10 is really good yeah it's funny that we were like Promethea don't know nothing about that but top 10 <laughs> yeah I mean top 10 is the is the I mean the, the elevator pitch for it if you've never read it is it's it's a cop drama it's you know uh, what do you call it uh, what is it David Caruso a police procedural. procedural. Yeah, it's a police procedural, but everyone in the book, from the bystanders to the perpetrators to the cops, are all superheroes. And how weird those crimes would be, and how weird, like, you know, the stuff could be. Moore gets to really kind of go into uh, his version of, like, what if superheroes were bad, actually. Uh, but in a way that's like very different from it is in other Alan Moore books. Like it, it's, it's not Watchmen, you know, it's a very, very different superhero story. And it's, yeah, if anything, it feels like a take on Astro city. Yeah. It's, it's a lot like, but in Astro city, the bit is that you're seeing the city through the eyes of the normal people in yeah. this one. Even the normal people are, are superheroes. Right. Yeah. Uh, but it's, it's, I I like Top Ten. It's been a hot minute since I've read it, but it's it's good. It's a good one. 
Yeah, uh, it it came out. It started in '99. I I remember reading it in trade paperback like a couple years later, and I haven't really revisited it closely since. But yeah, I remember really, really liking it when I did read it. And I very much remember this moment, which is sort of, in many ways, the emotional culmination of the story that's been building. Even though it goes for two more issues after this. Um, like, this is like the big climactic emotional moment of the story, I feel like. Yeah. The uh, 11 and 12 are, are, are very much kind of like wrap up and fall out from those. Um, it's pretty fucking good, dude. Yeah, it's pretty know, good. Man. It's pretty good. And like you said, it, he's fighting a cop, which is the best thing you can do. <laughs> yeah, the, I mean, the, 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 he can be a cop, but he's also fighting a cop. Ultimately, what makes Top 10 good is like the the, the good cops are fighting corruption inside the police department. Yeah. Th- which is something things, I wish real cops ever did. There are ideas that are objectively bad that that make good stories. Like vigilantes and we are literally playing uh Zelda right now which is about Royalty being descended from the gods. It's literally about the divine right of kings. And those aren't good ideas for the real world, but they can make for good stories. Yes. With, with Zelda, it's a, it's a really, uh, you gotta work with what was come up with 40 years ago, right? Like, it's like, there's got to be a princess. There's got to be a link. There's got to be these particular elements for it to be a Zelda game. Yeah. And so the, the sort of like Royal divinity is baked into it, but um, they have figured out ways to make it different and interesting and good. Yeah. Much like Alan Moore figured out a way to make this story about superhero cops. Exciting. And, like emotional by this point in the 10th issue. Yeah. So wh- wh- where are you thinking about putting it? Cause it's pretty, it's a pretty good moment. It's pretty good. Yeah. I don't know though. Is it better than Batman fighting Prometheus the second time? Absolutely not. Similarly problematic. It might be better than daredevil declaring himself Kingpin at number nine. I yeah. can call this the new number nine. Alan Moore is uh is good is, is pretty good at writing comics. Some I would say most of the time. Most of the time, yeah. Yeah. I I could probably count on two hands the Alan Moore comics I read and was like, not for me. I didn't like that one. I've read a lot more I liked than I didn't. My old AM. Like, the only one League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was bad. 
that I can recall. I mean, the further away we get from League, the, the that's a discussion for another time. Well, that 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 whole idea of like, let's bring together all of these classic characters in one team that has come become a cliche in the 20 some years since league of extraordinary gentlemen, but it was not a cliche then. Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's the big problem. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, that top 10 moment is great. Uh, thank you for sending that one in Tim. Uh, our next moment is from Philip Neff, Neff, and it is from Venom, the 2011 series, number 13.4, Circle of Four, Part 5, by Rick Remender, Jeff Parker, Rob Williams, and Lan Medina. And the moment is when the Venom, Venom symbiote attaches to the Red Hulk, who is also currently carrying the Spirit of Vengeance. I mean, like, that sounds pretty good. I did not read that comic book. That does sound pretty good. I I do have an image that Jeff uh, sent that I can send you. Um, That is, I have to admit, pretty fucking great. Well, there's there's nothing more 2012 Marvel Comics than this happened in Venom number 13.4. Yes, I think I just called Philip Jeff, so sorry about that, Philip. Uh, I meant Jeff. Or I meant Philip. God, can you tell that I'm tired? So basically, it is Ghost Rider. Well, it's Red Hulk as Ghost Rider, as Venom, on a trike. (laughs) Saying, we am smash for vengeance. Listen... We might need to catch up on this, because also in this issue, looks like they're fighting Blackheart. <laughs> you might remember from Marvel vs. Capcom, too. Uh-huh. And also, like, the, the next issue thing looks like it has fucking Jerry Only in it? What is going on in this comic book? Wait, Jerry Only from The Misfits? Yeah, man, go look at Venom number 14! What? Look at Venom number 14. All right, hang on. Hang on. I'll look. I don't think we can rank this moment. Uh, but I mean, it's cool. I I'm I'm uncertain if it qualifies as raw. Oh, yep, that definitely looks like Jerry only. From the the band Misfits. Was he in this Venom book? I don't know, buddy. We might have to re put Circle of Four on the catch-up list. Okay, yeah, okay. That's that's pretty fucking buck wild. It's definitely wild. I don't know if it's raw. Yeah, rawness to be determined. Here's a moment. Uh, sent to us. Oh, okay. So Patrick O'Duffy, this is Patrick O'Duffy's email again about gunfire. And Patrick O'Duffy emailed us back saying, 
So that's how it's going to be, huh? Right, cracks knuckles, I'll be back. So we might get another entry. Oh, here's the next one for Patrick O'Duffy. Uh, this is Have Patrick we not says, suffered enough at your hands? <laughs> Patrick says, I'm going to convince you that the rawest era of, era of comics was 1990s DC. Okay, you don't have to convince us of that. You, we're the we're the two other people in the world who fully believe that. This one is pretty good. Okay, Chris, this one okay. you're you're gonna want to rank. All right. So it's from JLA number three. Yeah, boy. And it's Batman saying, "Ready when you are." Ready when you are. Yeah, I knew it was either gonna be. I know your secret, or ready when you are. Uh, yeah, that. Shit fucking owns. <laughs> For our listeners who don't know what we mean just by ready when you are, please explain. Uh, okay, so the new super superheroes, the Hyper Clan, they come to Earth, and they're like, uh, they're they're bad dudes. They're they like kill people, uh, and people are like, well, maybe you know, maybe they should kill all these supervillains. Like they killed the Joker. Like, off-panel in this run. And then it turns out that's just a, a psychic illusion. Um, and then they're like, man, how did these people get so powerful? Where do they come from? And then, as soon as the JLA starts asking questions, uh, the HyperClan shows up and they, they start fighting the JLA. And uh, they, they've got Superman, like, trapped. And, you know, they, they're exposing him to kryptonite. Uh, there's a, a guy who's almost fast as the Flash. There's all kinds of stuff happening. Um, bad dudes. And then here's the thing, though. You got to figure out what their problem is. One of these dudes is named Amortal. He's like their Batman. He's like a spooky guy. He, he looks like Taskmaster. Um, and that guy goes and fights Batman because uh, they they think they kill Batman because. Batman is flying a uh, his jet alongside Superman, and they bring the jet down. But they don't go look for his body. They're like, no, don't get too close to the wreckage. And that's the tip-off. Because they don't want to get too close to the wreckage, because the wreckage is on fire. And Batman's like, oh, I know who these motherfuckers are. They're Martians. And so Batman takes out a mortal ties him up from the ceiling with a note pinned to his chest with a battering that says, I know your secret. And then three, three Martians show up. And one of them says, I thought you said the Batman had no superpowers. (laughs) And they go, Oh no. And then they find Batman and he's like, yeah, you all have super strength, flight, and vulnerability, shape changing, mind control. You're Martians. That's why you didn't come to look at my airplane. And then he lights a match, and he and one of the Martians goes, "Oh, that's an interesting theory. Are you really going to try and stop us with one tiny flame? You can't harm us with that." And Batman says, "Maybe you're right." And one of the Martians goes, "Oh wait, I know that smell." And Batman. <laughs> <laughs> like like fucking Joe Pantoliano in the Daredevil movie lights a <laughs> ring of gasoline around him and then he just cracks his fucking knuckles and says ready when you are and fist fights three Martians who I remind you 
have all the Superman's powers, plus they can walk through walls and read your mind. It's the shit. It's pretty good. It's pretty it, fucking good. It is the... It Like, this is the... The people who think, like... Like, oh... You know, like, Morrison, he just, like, he writes, the, you know, he's not Batman, he's Bat-God, or whatever. And it's like, yeah, dog, he's in the fucking Justice League. Like, there's a reason. There's a reason he's there. Uh, it's the shit. Because the also, next like, him is when he's dragging four white Martians unconscious behind him. And I think as Superman goes, only four? Oh no, it's Green Lantern goes, only four from Batman, you're slowing down. <laughs> Everybody else has been fighting one. But it's like, nothing he he does here is like, it's not like he shoots fire out of his palms, right? No, man, he solves he, the mystery. He strikes a match and, match and lights a match. Yeah. And it's, it's not even like he has kryptonite, a rare space mineral. He's got fucking, like, Martians are vulnerable to fire. This is DC Comics continuity. It's good stuff, man. It's good stuff. Yeah. He he whoops the hell out of them Martians. Oh, it's good. Oh, it's good, good stuff. All right. Hit me with a, with a ranking spot. I mean, like, I think for me... The iconic JLA moment is fighting Prometheus again. Yeah. Because that's just so mean. Like, there is there is something to be said for, like, raw moments sometimes are a little bit mean. Like, it's going a little too far or indicating that you are about to go too far. Like, like Gordon didn't need to give Flash the baseball bat, you know? But he did. Yeah. To make a fucking point. So, I don't think this goes above Batman vs. Prometheus round two. But it's... I think it goes right below. Okay. I, I, that, that seems perfectly reasonable. So, Batman... You are. He, he gives them the first move. He does. Oh. Batman telling the Martians, ready for you. Ready when you are. Is is the new number eight on the list? Hey, folks! I'm sorry I can't talk tonight. <laughs> it is. It sucks because that is your primary function on this show. True, I am so unbelievably tired, but we're going to press through with a few more Thursday night raw submissions. Grab a hold, bud. We'll get through it. That's right. Our next submission is from Daniel Sylvester. This one is also from JLA. It's from JLA number 41, in which everyone on Earth joins the Justice League. Yeah! Okay, here's the thing. I don't know if that's raw. Because that's just good. Inspiring. Yeah. Like, that's the shit that makes me cry every time. And that doesn't mean that it can't be raw. Like sometimes raw shit can make you cry. That's just that's just real. That's just having emotions. It's like Randy Savage said. 
you you have to experience all the emotions available to you, even the bad ones sometimes. Yeah. Yeah. But that's not that's not raw as like as much as that's like that gets you in the heart, you know? That gets you right in the damn heart if you're me. It's it's inspiring, like I said. It is an inspirational moment that yes, feels good. Yeah. Great moment, not raw. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, Daniel had a backup for us, but I feel like if we discuss it and disqualify it, that counts. That counts. That does count. The The submission was taken and did not make the list. Yeah. If it's something we're like, well, we didn't read it or didn't know about it, then perhaps an alternate is in order. But... If we discuss it and decide it's not raw, uh, I think we have to consider it discussed. Oh, this is a good one. The next one. Uh, From Ryan Clark. This moment is from House of X number six by Jonathan Hickman and Lanil Francis Yu. This is uh, after they put Sabretooth on trial, the (laughs) X-Men. Uh-huh. He gets put in a hole on Krakoa. Yeah, they just put him in a fucking hole. Yes. For crimes against mutanity, <laughs> Sabretooth gets put in a hole. That's great. Yeah. They do just put him in a fucking hole. Yes, he is grabbed by vines and placed in a hole. In the middle of Krakoa. I... I like that this whole thing is like... Like, putting people in the hole becomes a little more sinister. But I do like the fact that it's like... Look, we're gonna let everybody, like... We're gonna let everybody hang out on Krakoa. Like, Apocalypse, you can hang out. Like, Mr. Sinister... Your name's literally Mr. Sinister. You can hang out. But fucking Sabretooth. Like, Sabretooth's not gonna chill. You know? Absolutely not, yeah. Like, they even got Apocalypse to chill. Yeah, but Sabretooth's whole deal is that he doesn't chill. No chill. Absolutely no chill. Yeah. And so, like, bringing him in and being like, Motherfucker, are you gonna chill? And then... And and him being like, no. (laughs) Well, also, it's like, okay, you killed another, you killed a mutant. That is not something we can allow to be acceptable in this new mutant society. So we gotta do what, 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 you're gonna be our example. And, And Sabretooth even says, are you going to make an example out of me? Mm-hmm. And essentially, Professor Xavier is like, yes. <laughs> well, they have this debate because Apocalypse is like, I don't see why it's a problem to kill somebody who comes back to life. Because we can bring all the mutants back to life. So what's the problem? And then Jean Grey goes, well, then the the actual crime should be killing people who don't come back to life. Humans. Um, and Sabretooth kills people a lot. 
And they're like, well, that is true. <laughs> and, and essentially, Professor X says, we have to show that no one is above mutant law. And then Sabretooth is like, then fuck all y'all. I, I, I don't have any chill, and I will never have any chill. You're on my list, and all your kids and their kids are on my list, and I'm going to make them extinct. I got a list, and it's Sabretooth's list. And I'm going <laughs> to start. I'm fixing to run through them all. <laughs> <laughs> well, he does say that. He does, like, he, he does say that. <laughs> he, he literally says, I'm making a list. Yeah. Oh. But then, like, after, but basically, after he cuts that promo, Xavier's like, okay, time to do it. And Krakoa generates a bunch of vines that then drag Sabretooth just straight down into a hole. Yeah. And he's just, and they're like, yeah, you're just going to be in that hole forever. Yeah. Maybe, maybe we'll come get you out if we need you. Hey. This is a real question because I have not read every X Men book since this. Has I mean I'm sure Sabretooth has come back. Yes, but wouldn't it be great if he didn't? <laughs> it, oh, it would be fantastic if he didn't. <laughs> if it was just like yeah, Sabretooth got put in a hole. He's done. Oh, Victor Creed, he lives in a hole. Yeah, in Krakoa. Sabretooth is is docking now. Big Degree got put a damn hole. Let's see. When did he come back? I'm crossing my... I know he's not still in that hole, but I'm crossing my fingers. Oh, I guess he got like a solo series where he came out of the hole. So, that's that's what that's what it was. He got a saber There's tooth. There's something he got a very fun... There's something there's something very fun and there's something kind of inherently raw about putting somebody in a fucking hole. Yeah, man. Just One you of wait. the rawest moments in comics. Just you wait until we talk about somebody getting put in a hole. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, okay, okay. Yeah. This this twenty twenty two miniseries about Sabretooth starts with him in the hole and is about him coming out of the hole. And he's doing just fine. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'd say Sabretooth getting put in a hole is pretty raw. When was when was House of X? Was it? Uh, it was post pandemic, right? No, it or was mid pandemic. It, it was pre pandemic. Was it? Oh yeah, it was like 2018. No, it wasn't 2018. I it maybe 2019. 2019. It was 2019. I think House of X got uh, interrupted. No, I guess I guess it was just the X Men series got interrupted by uh, COVID twenty nineteen. Uh, so he was in that hole for four years. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty good. Three years. He was there until twenty twenty two. Yeah, that's yeah, that's pretty good. That's in comics. That's a long time to be in a hole. Yeah. It's about how long the Joker was in a hole in uh, from 1969 to 1974. True. 
this is this is raw. I, but is it rawer than the Avengers wanting to have words with Ultron? It's pretty raw when Professor X stands up and says, "I'm gonna put you in a fucking hole forever," and then does it. That's <laughs> <laughs> pretty good. That's true. Is it better I, I than would, Luffy giving Nami his hat? I don't think so. Because I don't think Arlong comes back. Yeah. Maybe he does. But I don't think he does. Yeah. Shonen manga yeah. doesn't do a lot of looking back, you know? <laughs> That's true. That's the main thing manga has over American comics. It moves forward. It does not look backward. American comics look backward all the time. Yeah, I mean, sometimes Frieza comes back and then Trunks comes from the future and cuts him in fucking half. You know? And that's about <laughs> as much looking, looking back as you're going to get. Yeah, gonna Frieza, only comes, Frieza only comes back to put over the new guy. Yeah. The, the, that shit's pretty good. Yeah. Alright, so at number 15, Sabretooth gets put in a hole. In House of X number 6. By Jonathan Hickman and Pepe Larraz. Put him in I think our submitter said it was Lineal U. It's it's Pepe Larraz. Do you think do you think Magneto came up with this one? When Professor X was like, damn, Eric, what are we gonna do? What are we gonna do about like when we got mutant problems? <laughs> and Magneto was like Magneto was like, let me tell you what I did when I had some problems with somebody. <laughs> you know what's a great thing to do to somebody who's a problem? You put him in a fucking hole. (laughs) Then you make sure Crossbones doesn't show up. Yeah, that's... You gotta watch out for Crossbones. Charles, let's put him in a hole and then just for funsies go kill Crossbones. We have time for one more, I think, Chris. This is from David LaRoss. And David LaRoss is submitting the final two pages of Do a Powerbomb issue number four. Which is, after FYSO nearly kills blood, Cobra Sun goes into his duffel and pulls out a complete set of illegal weapons, fluorescent light tubes, folding chair, baseball bat, and barbed wire, setting up the raw-as-hell-no-disqualifications final match. That is, indeed, raw-as-hell. Here's what's great about that. You can't describe that moment in, like... Terms that don't make it sound raw. Yeah. Yeah. Like, there are parts of Do a Powerbomb that get bigger, but I don't think anything gets rawer than those last couple moments, those last couple pages of number, what is it, number four? Yeah. Yeah. Where it's like, oh, you have fucked everything up for us, so now we are going to hit you with light tubes. Yeah, it's literally, we're going to show them just how real we can get. Yeah. That's dope. He might as well be saying, we're going to show them just how raw we can get. Like, the, the, the last flip page splash where he's carrying the barbed wire baseball bat and the barbed wire chair... Man, yeah, if I remember right, uh, they were out of the tournament by that point, right? Yeah, I, I think they get 
they get put back in. This is when they get put back in to do the no holds, like the hardcore no holds barred finals. And and you know what? Life's hard when there's no holds barred. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, this is pretty fucking raw. Yeah, that entire next issue when when they like actually have the match, like the setup for it is dope as shit. That issue where like Luna Steel Rose is dressed like like when you like when Joshi wrestlers would have death matches and they'd be wearing jeans. That that's great. I'll tell you what, you want to get over with me? Be a wrestler who doesn't normally wear jeans and then wear jeans and cowboy boots to a fight. Yes. That's good stuff. Wear a shirt. If you if you don't normally wear a shirt to the ring, wear a shirt to the ring with the sleeves cut off. Yeah. Yeah. What I, what I think makes that, that moment extra raw is they don't even know if they're back in the tournament. Yeah. They're just, just going to beat the shit out of them. Exactly. They don't need to be back in the tournament to want to go beat the shit out of these guys. Yeah. Ooh. Ooh. Ooh-wee. His fucking gym bag and his bundle of light tubes. Oh, that's great. Yeah. It's... Man. I love pro wrestling. When it's good, it's the best thing in the world. Yeah, man. And you know what? Same with comics. Uh-huh. <laughs> well, where does this go? I mean, it's a, it's a strong contender. It's. I don't think it's top three. I don't know that it's better than Captain UK ripping apart the Fury. It I might be better. I think it, it goes just under Thanos asking Ben Grimm what time it is. So it'll be the new number six. Yeah. That's pretty good. All right. Cobra Sun pulls out the plunder. Is it no, the new number six on the list? From uh, Do a Powerbomb issue number four. Did you notice that Excalibur said plunder on Dynamite this week? He, I did. Excalibur, are you listening? <laughs> I, 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 know, I know Excalibur was an ISB reader that's true that's a shoot no shit yeah I met Excalibur nice guy I want to talk to Excalibur Excalibur come on the show if you're listening Excalibur this, 100% absolutely come on the show Excalibur I know you're busy but come on the show don't tweet at Excalibur, but if you know Excalibur, I would love to talk to Excalibur. I I would as well. Had a very pleasant time talking to Excalibur. That was uh, the the night that I was at San Diego and I met Excalibur, uh, uh, Johnny Mundo, and uh, Shaq Gaspar. Wow, quite a group. Yeah, I've never felt more out of shape in my life. <laughs> All right, folks, that is going to do it for uh, this set of Thursday Night Raw submissions. If you would like to submit a Thursday Night Raw submission to us, 
or an Every Story Ever list, or you want to get in touch with us for some other reason, like sponsoring the show, you can email us at our email address, which is warrocketpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Tumblr at warrocketpodcast.tumblr.com. You can send us listener questions there. We're on Twitter at warrocketpod, and we also have a Discord that you have to be invited to be a member of, so send us a message on one of those places I just mentioned, or our Patreon, and ask us for a Discord invitation. We'll get you one. We'll get you an invitation to the Discord uh, if you ask us real nice. Our website is warrocketajax.com. It has every episode of the show we've ever done. Warrocketwiki.com is the fan-run repository of everything you need to know about War Rocket Ajax, so go check that out. If you want to find me and my stuff, go to mattdwilson.net to find links to my books, my comics, my other podcasts, and my social medias. Chris, where can people find you? Hey, everybody can find me by going to the-isb.com. That is my website, and it has links to all the things that I do. We'll be back next week, everybody. I think next week might be the end of the Groonies. The final Groonies trilogy begins. Come on back for it. I think we're going to finish out the Groonies next week. So pour one out and get ready for uh, the last set of Groonies. Until then, everybody, don't forget, Black Lives Matter. Trans rights are human rights. Cops are not your friends. Abortion rights are also human rights, and drag is not a crime. And we love, love you. you. Yeah!